back to another episode of the Hitchcock Minute. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1959 Alfred Hitchcock-directed thriller North by Northwest, one irresistible Cary Grant minute of screen time per episode. <laughs> I'm Tierney Steele of MASH Minute. And I'm Megan Coleman, also from MASH Minute. We spent... 116 episodes talking about the movie MASH, and there were a lot of irresist guys who thought they were irresistible, but this is the first minute, minute 102 is the first one where I ever wrote the note, he is irresistible, with an exclamation point and is underlined. <laughs> oh, he's, oh. So as you can tell, we're Karen Grant fans. Yay! I'm also a Leo G. Carroll fan because my next note is, I love this guy so over it all. My God, the deadpan sass. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, he's so good. The deadpan so sass in this minute is A plus work. <laughs> yeah, they have good chemistry. I would like him to perform the wedding ceremony. Just saying, just throwing it out there. <laughs> His blessings on them both. I mean, it, it fits the bill so well already. It would be great. <laughs> I love it. I have to look up something really quickly. So I am blatantly stalling and I apologize in advance to Megan. That's all right. Who will be editing so, this episode. <laughs> that's totally fine. She said slowly as she scrolled to see if he was in. Oh, he wasn't. I thought maybe he was the guy who played the uh, reverend in the original Parent Trap. But I guess not. Uh, Continue on. So at this point, Cary Grant is with the professor and is using, what do you call those? Like the viewers? You know, the the things that you put the quarter in and then it gives you like the minute of up close. They're not telescopes. They're not telescopes. They're not, they're kind of like binoculars, I guess. But um, they're not binoculars. I have not to, uh, actually, yes to humble brag. I have taken photos of those things that have appeared in art shows, and yet I don't know what they're called. Damn it. Hang um, on. Calf, pasture, beach, binoculars. Yeah, what are these things called? Binoculars. Tower optical binoculars. There we go. So we weren't totally off. Apparently. Apparently. So, yeah, so Cary Grant's looking through this, also talking to the professor, trying to be nondescript, sketchy, being all spy-like, I guess. <laughs> or not spy-like, right? They're just tourists staring at Mount Rushmore, which I have to say for 1959, that kind of blends in really well. They look great doing it. I'm pretty sure this was probably built on a soundstage because I know there was a lot of stuff about how Hitchcock wanted to film at Mount Rushmore and obviously it being a national park and a national monument, there are a lot of he was told basically like you can't actually film on the actual structure. Oh, Megan, I just realized what we should have done for a recording. Oh, crap. Instead what? of getting drunk and talking about North by Northwest, we should have played my National Parks board game and talked about North by Northwest. Oh my gosh. That's right. You went to PAX Unplugged. Lucky you. And you got the coolest board game ever. <laughs> I'm just going to find out. Okay, good. You can just Google Parks board game and it comes up. It's by Keymaster Games, though, if you're having trouble finding it. It's a celebration of national parks and the artwork is absolutely gorgeous. I have no idea what the play is like. I bought it purely based on aesthetics because... I'm shallow like that. And also, I love this stuff. It looks great. However, looks they've great. composed this shot, however, or com yeah, compiled, whatever. It looks great. The it sass great. is flowing. Cary Grant is irresistible. 
That suit looks amazing considering he's been wearing it for so long. <laughs> I mean, I don't get pressed at one point, but you know. Even so. Even so. <laughs> they must have had like 50 suits for him. Anyway. <laughs> Before the musical cue of things about to happen, let's talk about Cary Grant. Oh, yes, let's do that. Welcome to Cary Grant Minute, as Charity said. Uh, who would you like to talk first about? I have a. I, you have. Cary Grant specific to this movie, and I have Cary Grant specific to being irresistible. Let's go with irresistible, because I feel like when you think Cary Grant, or at least when I think of Cary Grant, and I'd like to think most people think of when it comes to Cary Grant, is sort of his je ne sais quoi, if you will. His charisma, his his Cary Grantness of his all. <laughs> I actually grew up uh, with my go-to Cary Grant movie being Father Goose, a very different Cary Grant. Oh, okay. Well, drunk beachcomber Cary Grant. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, I, I grew up with with all. I knew he cleaned up well. <laughs> My favorite story about Cary Grant, however, and this is after growing up with a grandmother who was obsessed with this era of film and everything, comes from a blog called Reggie Darling. ReggieDarling.blogspot.com. This story was typed up on his blog in 2010. <laughs> I've had it bookmarked for not quite that long, but at least since 2013. Because every so often when I'm having a bad day, I go back and read his story, a Cary Grant story, told by Ann Walker, the mother of a dear friend of ours. Ann Walker was one of the most attractive women I have ever known. Although in her early 70s when I met her, she still had a marvelous gamine figure with legs for days and an innate sense of a classic American style updated for contemporary life. She had a terrific sense of humor and was quite amusing, and her throaty laugh, which she did frequently, was infectious. And she was a bit kooky, which only added to her charm. Anne's combination of look, style, and humor meant that she had no shortage of admirers, myself among them. She was, in short, a true American babe. Anne grew up under rather swell circumstances in Chicago in a socially active family. In the late 1940s, when she was 18 years old, she and her parents and older sister took a trip to New York, where her parents threw a party at the Plaza Hotel to celebrate Anne's sister's recent engagement to a young man from that city. One of the pleasures of the trip was that the family stayed at the Plaza, one of the country's most elegant hotels. At one point during the trip, Anne was riding in the hotel's elevator alone to the lobby. The doors of the elevator opened on one of the lower guest room floors, and who should step in but Cary Grant? At the time, he was in his mid-40s and the most popular male movie star in the world. He nodded to her and said, Hello. Anne was, to say the least, surprised to find herself in such close proximity to the actor, an idol of hers. All she could think to say to him was to blurt out, Oh, Mr. Grant, I love you! To which he responded with a smile and in his most marvelous Cary Grant accent, Why, thank you, darling, you're not so bad yourself. At that point, the doors opened to the lobby and he walked out, leaving the young Anne Walker breathless with excitement over what had just happened. Fifteen years later, as a young married woman in her early thirties, Anne was again staying at the plaza. She had stayed at the hotel many times in the intervening years, and every time she did so, or even thought of it for that matter, she recalled her first trip to New York when she rode in the hotel's elevator with Cary Grant. On this particular visit, as she was riding alone in the elevator to the lobby, imagine her astonishment to have the doors open on a lower guest floor and who should step in again but none other than <sighs> Cary Grant. He looked at Anne, clearly recognized her, and gave her a smile and said, Why, hello again. She responded with a giggle and said, Oh, Mr. Grant, I still love you. They both laughed, the doors opened, and off they went on their separate ways. Aww. Ten or so years later, Anne was working as a copywriter at an advertising agency with offices in Rockefeller Center. One day while riding the elevator alone up to her office, the doors opened, 
And who should walk in but Cary Grant? He nodded at her but didn't say anything. Anne could not believe she was yet again riding in an elevator with Cary Grant. She didn't say anything to him, however, because by this time she was a confirmed New Yorker, and New Yorkers, at least sophisticated ones, as a rule do not intrude on the privacy of celebrities if they chance to come across them in public. As they rode in silence, he turned to her and said, What's the matter, darling? Don't you love me anymore? To which Anne responded, Oh yes, Mr. Grant, I do. He smiled and said, I'm glad to hear it. You had me worried there for a bit, and laughed. She then said to him, Mr. Grant, I will always love you. As the doors opened and he prepared to exit the elevator, he said to her, And I will always love you too, darling, and leaned over and gave her a kiss on the cheek. He then turned, walked out of the elevator, the doors closed, and she never saw him again. I like that. So if you're ever having a bad day, just imagine Cary Grant saying to you, What's the matter, darling? Don't you love me anymore? (laughs) Don't you love me anymore? Thank you for indulging what I know is a very long story, but it has brought (laughs) me joy at several times, just many times over many years. And it is accompanied by photos, both of Cary Grant, like around the times, and then of Ann Walker, you know, taken in the early 1970s, of her at that party they were throwing in the plaza. And so it's just an absolute delight. It makes me really glad. And so I just wanted to put that out into the world. Nice. Fabulous. <laughs> I don't do I don't do a good Cary Grant, so you can't. No, I don't. I don't. I don't either. Doing the cadence, but I the, the only uh, uh, imitation I do is Tom Hanks doing Cary Grant. Or no, it wasn't even Tom Hanks. It was his friend in Sleepless in Seattle. It's like think oh, Cary Grant. <laughs> I know it's just so. <sighs> Alfred Hitchcock thought Cary Grant was pretty irresistible too, from what I hear. Yeah, so I spent way too much time reading about Hitchcock at the Dartmouth College Library. Thank you, Baker Barry. And they had a whole book about with interviews that Hitchcock did called Alfred Hitchcock Interviews. Shocking, I know. Um, <laughs> and there's a interview he did. Okay, let me make sure I have the right one. Here we go. Um, that he did with the American Film Institute in 1972. I can't remember when Alfred Hitchcock passed away, but in the late 70s, maybe? I'll edit that if that's not right. I was anyway, say, that feels like something we could know. <laughs> that one's like I should know, but anyway. So the interviewer, who sadly the it doesn't say who the interviewer is, but someone from the American Film Inter- Inter- uh, Institute, excuse me, said, asked, "Oh, it's Mr. Blue. Excuse me, I don't know Blue's last name, but it says Blue. Why did you select those particular characters, and what was their value in your story, North by Northwest?" And Hitchcock goes, first of all, you have." available to you a film star by the name of Cary Grant. Don't lose sight of that element. (laughs) I love Hitchcock. (laughs) That's the way he talks, right? Okay. (laughs) Anyway, back to interview. You are actually playing a character, but you were also playing the personality of Cary Grant. The value of having Cary Grant, the film star, is that the audience gets a little more emotion out of Cary Grant than they would from an unknown because there is identification. There are many members of the audience who like Cary Grant, whether they know about his character in the scenes or not. (gasps) Right? (laughs) Because then that got me thinking, like, okay, who else could play Thorndike? Thornhill. Thornhill. Mm -hmm. Bourbon. Um. <laughs> this is a running gag in many stories of the name always being slightly off. Slightly You're off. You're just that cool. I, mm, but see, I would argue I, as much as I love Cary Grant, I don't think I've ever seen him in something I didn't like him in. I don't know that I agree with that. It couldn't be an unknown. I think the only scene that really pays that off is the stop 
scene in the hospital, which listeners, if you are following along with the movie, you will get to very soon. And you will know what I'm talking about when I when you see it. And it's a very famous clip. Again, this movie yes. from 1959. I'm not apologizing for spoilers. But that little stop. Stop. Then stop. It, <laughs> I think that's the only scene I can think of where it really pays off that it's Cary Grant. So not even the scenes with where with Eve slash Eva where they're like in the Pullman car and they're kind of darting around the idea that they're going to have sex, but they're not going to have sex. I mean, I love the way they do it, (laughs) but I don't think Cary Grant's the only person on the face of the earth who could have pulled it off. You know what I mean? Like if if, if it had been someone else in this role and they had, you know, assuming done a good job with it. I try to think who else was kind Hmm. of big around that time. Like, I don't know why Kirk Douglas keeps coming to mind because I don't know if he would have... Kirk, Kirk Douglas, Michael Douglas's dad. Thank you, because I could only think of Michael Douglas, and I <laughs> okay. knew there was. I was a like, I was like, wait, did I not have his name right? Oh gosh, no, oh no, gosh, you okay. absolutely were right. I was trying to. <laughs> as soon as you said Michael Douglas, as soon as I knew his name too, I was like, okay, cool, we're fine. <laughs> I don't know, and who was the actor? Or Marlon really Brando? Okay, what part? Oh, um, wasn't there someone who really wanted, practically yeah. begged Hitchcock to cast him? And oh, shoot. And I remember reading something that was like, he actually, Hitchcock waited till he was committed to another film. I was like, gee, I'd love to have you in this. Oh, darn, you can't oh, do it. <laughs> Shucks. Well, I guess I'll have to go with Cary Grant. No offense. Okay, so Marlon Brando was still kind of big around this time and attractive looking, but I can't see him pulling this off. I can't, but I also haven't seen um, Streetcar Named anything Desire. Anything other than The Godfather? <laughs> yeah, Streetcar Named Desire is what I was thinking. <laughs> or um, he's isn't he also in Guys and Dolls in the musical? I think he I, is. I don't know. I'm not Megan. saying he does his singing because you know West Side Story is known for people like Natalie Wood who act, but someone else sang and they didn't really get credit till years later. We or are fully recording recognized. around Christmas, and my favorite movie is Miracle on 34th Street, and I will have no slander of Natalie Wood. I'm not saying she no, but the, she I mean, that's said a, very inebriated and loving that movie. <laughs> okay, listen, I love Natalie Wood too. She wasn't a bad singer, but that's a whole other story about Anita Hill and oh, Anita it's a Hill. whole other <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that's not Anita Hill, right? Anita Hill is <laughs> God. We're done. Anita Hill is a lawyer. We're done. Anita oh. is the character opposite of Natalie Wood slash Maria in West Side Story. I just need to go home now. <laughs> It's Rita Moreno. God, I can't even say her name. She's in a Netflix show I love. Rita Moreno, who is fabulous. Also irresistible. Also irresistible. Doesn't look a day over 65. Lucky B.O. Son of a... I'm not trying to swear. Sorry, Jim. Anyway, what were we talking about? Somehow we were talking about Anita Hill, and I do not think that is what we meant to be talking about. No, that's not what I meant to be saying. I meant... I meant... I just hit my mic Again, Anita is character in West Side Story is who I was thinking of. I started Googling Anita and Anita Hill came up because my Google... Another fabulous lady, but not in West Side Story. We but just not in West Side Story. <laughs> right, to be clear. Because that came up because Marlon Brando, I believe, was in Guys and Dolls. Along um, with Alan Alda's father. Along with <laughs> the Alan Alda's I know father. about Guys and Dolls. <laughs> Alan Alda's father definitely does his own singing. I don't remember if Marlon Brando did his own singing is the thing. Because Natalie Wood in West Side Story did 
not do her own singing. And I believe, if I remember the story correctly, they didn't tell her she was going to be dubbed. And she went to the premiere and watched it. Aww. And that's how she found out. And like, that's, that's BS. Awful. And she was felt horrible because I'm sure she worked very hard to have, you know, that part of her role be well and practice and whatnot. And then found out. <laughs> and a little forewarning goes a long way. I mean, it really does. But, but as I, we know. I can transition us back to this minute, which is that. My next note after our uh, love fest for Cary Grant is the musical cue of things about to happen. Oh, yes. Uh, Hitchcock movies not known for their subtle use of score. <laughs> no. Like, they're no. great scores. But they're, they're great scores, but... Not subtle. Not subtle. And also not subtle are the fashions being sported at <laughs> Mount Rushmore today. So far, we've Ooh. only seen Cary Grant and Leo G. Carroll, and they're wearing the same suits... And they're in all their suited male 1950s glory. But we are at a tourist destination and we are going to see some tourists now. Right, because when we seen Eve, she looks really well put together, as she should for what, you know. Because she's, she's, she's a spy. Amazing. And amazing and lovely. And we'll talk about her more in a aspirational. bit. Aspirational. Right. But then we have. Now we get to see normal people on vacation. <laughs> And you could tell it's this weird transitional period between it's not the 50s, but the 60s fashions are almost here. But not quite. But not quite, because as Cary Grant is facing away from the camera, heading towards another viewing platform is what I'm going with. We have these two ladies on the right, two groups of two ladies on the mm. right. And the group that really caught my eye, I mean, there's some ladies on the all the way to the right who have some, well, they have like the skirts that aren't flattering with the oversized jackets and one's super plantastic. But the ones that really caught my eye were the two younger girls who have some crazy pant choices going on so i didn't know what to write these as in my notes because i have always called these kinds of pants floods but that is often inside joke for my summer camp because the first person that i knew right when these pants started coming back in the mid late 90s mm -hmm. she was the first person and all i can ever remember is patrick screaming maddie where's the flood so then we called these shortened pants floods from, well, it's 2020 and I'm still doing it. I know they're not called that. Like intellectually no. and logically, I realize there must be a name for them. But to me, they are and will always be floods because if there was a flood, you don't have to worry about the hems of your pants getting wet. Also, these came back in the night. Megan, explain fashion to me. Why the bleep are these popular? Because they are like the most unflattering things yes, I know. <laughs> okay, so for if you're not recalling or you're not a fashionista like me and are sort of like, what the heck are they talking about? These pants are about just above the ankle. Not at the ankle, but just above the ankle. They're kind of skitty. They're not quite Audrey Hepburn funny face pants. Yeah, they're not the, pixie pants. They're not pixie pants. They're not like skinny pants, but they, they start off that way. They're kind of fitted at the top, kind of fitted but to- But they're too long to be capri pants. Right, they're too long to be capri pants because they, they go definitely past, I guess you'd call them ankle pants. Mm, I would expect ankle pants to be a little bit longer. If you said ankle pants, I would assume they were like dress pants that didn't go past the ankle. Again, these pants look good on so few people. Why are cropped pants coming back into style over and over again throughout my life? Because that's what long, fashion does. Long pants are so much more flattering on so many more types of bodies. I'm not saying all of them. I 
get it. Bootcut jeans don't look good on literally everyone. Look good on most people. Yeah, the internet, when I Google um, Audrey Hepburn pants style to get the kind of lengthwise, Mm -hmm. I get a lot of ankle pants or pixie pants that they're referring to the infamous funny face type of. Um, And if you haven't seen funny face, do yourself a favor. Oh, um, Laura Petri wore them too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Laura Petri's pants. But these aren't as flattering as that. They're a little bit shorter. And oh, one of them is, yeah. again, plat-tastic. <laughs> there, There is a fabulous photo I found of Audrey Hepburn. Maybe she's wearing these same kind of pants. But they're a solid color. Let's just be, they're not patterned fabulously questionable choices. <laughs> yes. Welcome to Fashion Minute by Hitchcock. Um <laughs> I'm just saying most people look slimmer if you have a lengthened silhouette. (laughs) And I think the fact that they have those big giant belts like at their natural, almost a little bit lower than their natural waist is supposed to make them look skinny, but... It's but not really, just really accent- accentuates that there you have an equator. <laughs> yes, it's more noticeable on the girl with the white shirt and the tan pants with the weird. I don't even know what that pattern is. Some kind of it's like tan with like lighter tan specks. Like someone took a paintbrush a la Pollock almost and just went boo 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 boo. boo, boo. That's a technical fashion term. No, I'm just kidding. Obviously. Well, according to the internet, oh, cigarette pants are the flattering ones we were thinking of. Yes. Where they're like kind of tapered and just above the ankle. These are the vacation version cousin of cigarette pants. I love it. A lot of places also call them capris on Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. On the Dick Van Dyke show. But I think in today's day and age, capris are, I guess maybe not. Maybe not. They got to be longer than pedal pushers. Why do all, like, why can we not just wear pants? (laughs) (laughs) Why is my brain full of this knowledge, Megan? It's, It's okay. I don't need to know the difference between pedal pushers and capris, but I do. And I hate myself. Um, well, you know what? If anything, we've educated the listeners so the next time they go pants shopping for themselves or someone else, they're fully equipped with useless knowledge. I mean, if they're listening to us after Monday's episode, we're God good bless you. Here. I love you. Thank you for listening. Jim You're O'Kane, clearly determined you to listening. listen to all the minutes of Hitchcock. <laughs> yes. Tom Taylor, thanks you for listening as well. <laughs> Who else am I forgetting? Um... <laughs> Please don't ban me from the minute-by-minute community, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Because I like fashion. No, no, no. We're all good here. We're all good here. Given that most of the fashion arguments in the Movies by Minutes community involve cargo shorts, we welcome your presence. We welcome. Thank you. And thank you for your shared knowledge. (laughs) You're welcome. So if you want more of our loosey-goosey fun style. And occasional fashion critiques. (laughs) Yes, and there is a point in Mash Minute where we did bring up capris. I think it's in the around the football or right after football, if I remember correctly. Yes, we do talk about capris in Mash Minute. We found a way. Uh, <laughs> you can hear us at Mash Minute, yes, uh, or Mash Minute at all the usual social media channels. You can find us in your podcatcher of choice. It's a good time. And uh, thank you. If you want to find more about Hitchcock Minute, this crazy fun experiment of fun we're on. I don't know what that was, guys. Sorry. Um, I beautiful. swear, I've only had a shot of bourbon and clearly I do not drink anymore because, woo! Clam diggers is another term for these pants. <laughs> <laughs> That seems very New England, right? Like, clam digging. 
Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. saying ridiculous words. Exactly. These two women had no idea what they started. (laughs) Anyway, you can find the Hitchcock Minute on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, or at the main site, HitchcockMinute.com. Listen, I'm just trying to make Jim happy, okay? Um, You can also mention, I should mention that on social media, there's a listeners group where you can talk all things Hitchcock- North by Northwest. Um, it's called The Man on Washington's Nose. Get it? Because Mount Rushmore has Washington. It plays a key role in the movie. Okay, anyway. Um, but if Twitter's more your thing, you like the tweets, uh, you can go look for Hitchcock Minute. And I don't think this is a Friday episode on Double Checking. No, it's not. It okay. It's not. I do believe these are Monday through Fridays. They are. And uh, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to give Megan the option if she wants, because a little peek behind the curtain, we record these, you know, a few at a time. And we definitely can usually record more than two episodes in a row. But uh, my notes for next minute do include a reference to Riverdale. So if you want to cut me off tonight, I will completely understand. (laughs) Good to know. We'll discuss off air. (laughs) Thanks for listening to our crazy antics about the Hitchcock. And uh, (laughs) we'll hopefully we'll hopefully hear you tomorrow. They'll hear us. God dang it! <laughs> I should edit that out, but I should really. Goodbye, Mr. Thornhill. Wherever you are. <laughs>